0: NINTH STORY STUDIOS GIVING STORY A VOICE Welcome to the lift! Get ready to take a ride! (laughs) Hello? And thank you for tuning in to Season 4, Episode 7 of The Lift. I'm Daniel Foytek, and today we have a special story to share by our good friend, Kelly Perkins. Her story, Panic Button, is dedicated to Mr. Fenris. Today's story is about anxiety, and as someone who struggles with anxiety and the accompanying anger constantly, I think this is a beautiful story that truly captures what it's like to struggle against that monster. Sometimes knowing that you're not alone in that struggle can help you find your way in the dark. I hope those of you that struggle with your own anxiety will find this story as meaningful as I did. Our story is told powerfully by Cynthia Lohman, with an accompanying custom score by Nico Vitese of We Talk of Dreams. And now, let's go for a ride. I have lost so much My name is Victoria I am bound to this place Charged with guiding those who must choose Don't be afraid I can never again be the little girl I was Will you accept your fate? Or change? I have my music box And a library lost But I sometimes feel very alone Won't you join me? It's time for your ride on the lift. Don't be afraid.
1: Unplugged. Put away. Food fed. Water distributed. Poop scooped. I run through the checklist with well-rehearsed order, as it should be on the third go this morning, a ritual performed every morning. If only I could check it off with the same confidence with which I say the words, once and only once before heading out the door, which I will lock, testing the knob once, twice, pulling and pushing to ensure security, and then inevitably... Unlock when I realize I didn't account for the location of Lucifer before I walked outside. He could have slipped past while my back was turned. My mind was elsewhere. It's happened before. Scenarios of what could become of him in the eight hours or so I'm gone play through my mind, each one worse than the last, until I turn around and go back inside. Lucy? I call, and like the shadow he resembles, he slips from the corner by the kitchen window. With an amiable trill, I laugh and bend to scratch near the majestic crest so many long haired cats display with pride and elegance. I'm gonna have some splaining to do if I'm late. And with that, I bounce back to my feet. Unplucked, I point to the flat iron, probably cool where it sits on the counter beside the bathroom sink. Put away, I say, spinning to the cabinet where the peanut butter I used for my breakfast sandwich now sits or does it? I check. It's there, and the lid is secure. Fed. I continue, Lucifer peering up at me quizzically, wondering why in the world I would be pointing with such conviction at his food dish. Perhaps he would like it filled more than halfway, but that's plenty. Admittedly too much, but I'm moving on. And watered. If you'd gotten up at 6 instead of 6.30. A familiar voice jeers from deep inside the recesses of my consciousness, where I prefer it would stay, frankly. You wouldn't be racing to get to work on time if you'd taken a little less time fighting with your eyeliner. Who are you trying to impress anyway? You know what it is if you'd sorted out your clothes ahead of time instead of waiting and digging through the dryer. Shut up, I tell her Flick on the radio. The Cure. I used to hate The Cure, but for some reason I love them now. Maybe it's because it awakens a love in me for the new wave and goth I missed on its first go-round. Maybe it's the way Robert Smith's laments soar over the incongruously upbeat music. But hell, I'd take advertisements. Obnoxious ones. Anything to drown her out. That bitch that lives in my head who sounds just like me, only... Meaner. I arrive a minute shy of tardy. Nothing a couple miscans on my time card can't fix. You know, just enough to make me officially tardy. Told you, the voice says. It slithers up from unfathomable depths, and it's all I can do to not grant it purchase, where it sits on the seat of my consciousness. But perch it does, spreading its black wings... The void is soon to swallow me back to the darkness from whence it crawled. I'm the first to arrive, ahead of my superiors even. The only one to actively scold me is me. So it's not exactly the end of the world. But it's a black mark, the voice inside me reminds me. Yet another one to your not exactly sterling reputation. If only I could say I prepare my cart with the same precision and care with which I try to leave my house each day. But everything is just kind of haphazardly slung together. Some items sure to be found missing when I go to use them. If you weren't so lazy... It starts again. So complacent. Do you even care? Like that time in 2009? Nope. I say aloud, shaking my head. Nope, nope, nope. Not gonna do this today, nope. I slosh water into my mop bucket, and then it's time for the long trek beneath sagging pipes, past the giant tanks situated under the indoor pool. I don't know what they do exactly, but they're imposing. More imposing yet are the steel doors of the freight elevator, the lips, if you will guarding the metal mesh teeth that prove the final barrier to its bright green maw into which I push my cart. I used to be afraid of the big elevator, a piece of rusty, outdated machinery. Unchanged, I'm sure, from the time the hotel was built 30-odd years ago. But I've memorized each characteristic groan like the tune of a familiar jingle, a song accompanied by well-choreographed creaks and jerks. All the elevators, no matter how irksome or shaky, are regularly inspected and serviced, not to mention repaired when something inevitably goes wrong. And it does, with predictable frequency. But the only real problem I've ever had with the elevator was the time those pesky outer doors didn't quite close fast much to maintenance's amusement when I radioed for help from between floors. The doors properly secured, the elevator resumed its ascent, Jim standing outside with his cheery Santa Claus smile when I opened the topside doors. Yeah, that's right. The mesh ones act more as mere fencing between occupants at ferries and the shaft through which it travels. This means you get to watch the dusty concrete walls the entire way marveling at the occasional oddly placed graffiti drawn in fading Sharpie. Fun. Right on cue, the elevator jerks to a halt, and, as per routine, I heave the doors open. The mesh ones don't prove a problem, but the topside doors, identical in every other way to the ones in the basement, feel much heavier, requiring me to put all my meager weight on the bottom half. In order to get it to budge an inch, nothing about what I see beyond is routine, however. Gone is the breezeway between the kitchen, exit, and the hotel proper. In its place are the opulent appointments of what I imagine a turn of the century hotel looks like. Maybe an apartment building, maybe in England somewhere. Judging by what little I know of Victorian furniture and lighting, I hesitate to assign an era to the anachronistic decor. I'm not a historian. I'm a housekeeper. All I know is it is definitely older than the hotel I work in. Much older. And not in that kitschy, nostalgic way some places are aged. It has an elegance many modern places lack. A dusty yet rosy scent that pulls at my curiosity the way the scent of antifreeze draws hapless pets to imbibe its poison. No matter how ill-advised, all those adventure stories of my favorite childhood movies implore me to step beyond the threshold and stand fully in this otherworldly lobby, to touch the dusty furniture, to absorb its eerie silence. Except that it's not silent, not totally. There's the ominous jingle of a music box, and to my horror... It grows louder, closer, and I know I need to turn around, but when I do, I realize my cart is gone, my elevator is gone, and in its place stand the ornate closed doors of one more appropriate to my surroundings. The ghostly laughter (laughs) of a child rings in my ears, and my palms immediately begin to sweat. My heart batters my ribcage. My lungs fill with icy shards of fear and my head swims with just the teeniest bit of vertigo. Well, if anything was going to send me spiraling into a panic attack, the apparition of a little girl in an old-fashioned purple dress at least makes it warranted. Her eyes are so green, I'm positive they glow with the same ethereal magic that emanates from the music box she holds daintily in her tiny white hands. The blonde ringlets gathered on either side of her head bouncing as she walks toward me. No, 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 no. I catch myself muttering like a proper mad person. A little surprised I'm not screaming, like people are said to do when confronted with something as alien as this. One hundred percent nope. I shake my head, hands trembling as I fumble for the radio at my side. The little girl, more opaque than an apparition, has any right to be. Mothel's a giggle behind one tiny hand.
0: (laughs) That's not going to help much here,
1: she says in her proper English accent. At least, not on your home frequency. Where is my home? I manage between shutters. Compared to, say, where I am now? The girl blinks at me and there's a hint of sorrow in those otherworldly eyes, as if she understands my predicament all too well as if she regrets my presence as much as I do. How you
0: return there is up to you. I'm Victoria, by the way.
1: Sarah, I say without further introduction. The elevator dings behind me with an old-timey bell, and the doors spread apart of their own accord. Right. Victoria says as if in an answer. She walks past me and into the waiting lift. Going up. <laughs> She calls cheerfully, muffling another giggle. Okay. I hesitate. I figure there's little use in refusing. Clearly, I'm meant to take this ride, even if. Don't know why I'm so scared. I shrug beside her as the doors close in the musty old box. Obviously, this is a dream. Ow! What'd you do that for? Victoria looks at me with those haunted green eyes and says,
0: Still think it's a dream?
1: She smiles in that shit-eating way brats smile when they're testing your limits, but I'm in no position to reach mine. I shrug off the sass even as my blood boils under my skin, and rage rises in me, like it does any time the illusion of control is wrested from my hands when it feels like all my carefully laid plans are made only to crumble like sand through my fingers. She reaches past me and punches the button for the sixth floor, resigning her gaze forward.
0: "'Your anxiety is not unfounded here,' she says. "'Here you will have to make a choice.'
1: "'What kind of choice?' I cut her off before she can say more.
0: "'It's no fun if we ruin the surprise.'
1: "'What kind of surprise?' I hesitate in her silence. The place you're taking me I shudder as the lift comes to a halt, an eternity hanging in the space between that and the door's opening, but only by a thread Is it scary? She looks up at me, wrenching my expectant gaze from the doors right as they open. Again
0: That's up to you
1: and in a breath I'm outside the elevator as if her final word pushed me that much further outside my correct reality. No matter which way I turn, the lift is gone. Around me, only a shadowy forest. On any other day, given the choice, this might be the ideal way to spend the day, but under the circumstances, this is the sort of place where things are lost and never recovered. Where people disappear before anyone knows they're missing, where it's already too late the moment you step off the familiar trail. And nothing about this place is familiar. It could literally be anywhere. I can feel my throat drying, tightening around the situation as I gulp at the air like I'm drowning. Victoria! I spin, searching. Victoria! The radio crackles to life at my side. The hiss coming through. A young voice shushing me from the other side. I'm sorry, I couldn't come with you. But don't panic. She pauses, and I'm sure there's a rustling in the undergrowth. Whatever happens, keep calm. Easy for you to say. I hiss back at her through the radio. Done messing around, kid. Now get me out of here. No answer. It's no use, and I know that, but I whisper-shout her name one more useless time before resigning the radio back to my side, leaving it to sag impotently in the pocket of my smock. Fighter flight kicks me hard in the gut. The decision for flight delayed while my sick curiosity holds me in place long enough to catch an eyeful of the emerging creature. Out stalks something out of both a Dark Souls game and a Jim Henson movie. A sickly birdman with its undisguised Skeksis-like body and sunken grey griffin's head. My terror is unrestrained now, and I almost don't realize I'm screaming until I recognize it's screaming back at me. It becomes almost comical, each shriek punctuated by one mirrored back between us. I'm sure Victoria is just having fun with me, albeit in a cruel way when its coal-black eyes lock with mine and the meager crest of feathers around its horrid face and throat ruffle, its scant muscles tensing as though poised to attack. Instinct snaps the thread from which it hangs, and my body springs into action, my legs pumping much faster than I ever thought was possible. But not fast enough. The thing a hair's breadth behind me, clawing and snapping... I trip on a root and am suddenly splayed forward, my screams lodged in my throat as the creature looms over me. There's a low rumble in its throat as I roll to see it glower at me, and then suddenly it stops. Its black eyes roll white, and it rasps. You can't go to work like that. Look at you. And you just did laundry. I can feel a cartoonish change in my expression, my brow furrow, and my mouth purse quizzically as I prop myself on my elbows. Wait, what? Its face remains a mask of anger and malice, a demonic visage carved like that of a gargoyle, only much more menacing. Yet it doesn't dare come closer, but just paces like a caged animal, the embodiment of my anxiety. And then it dawns on me. It is... My anxiety, and all my wretched self loathing wrapped in one ugly package. I get to my feet and it backs up a step. Chuckling, I reach for the radio. Victoria, I figured it out, I announce into the mouthpiece, a smile clear in my voice. Not so much as static in reply. Victoria? And just like that, the creature produces its shrillest scream yet. Adrenaline surges through me, a lightning bolt of fright, my searing leg muscles forced into action once more. All it takes is one mistake to throw everything topsy-turvy. This I know all too well. One misstep, a moment's distraction, one peek over my shoulder, the tiniest sigh of relief when it appears I'm safe, and then... uh, I crash into something hard, but with some give. Something fleshy. I hit the ground with a second jarring oof, jarred that much more by the much larger, darker entity blocking my path. A looming mass of blackness. The absence of light, whose shadow threatens to consume me as it stretches up my legs and my body. It doesn't have to say anything. It has a direct line to my own darkness. I can feel it slithering around in me again. Had it lips, it would smile evilly as it climbs again to the forefront of my consciousness, calling out to the hordes of those creatures who seem to inhabit this place. In a moment, I'm surrounded and sinking both into myself and the wretched, marshy earth. Is there even any use in screaming? In calling Victoria's name? She's answers a deep voice from somewhere in the amorphous cloud still looming. It's surprisingly gentle, almost soothing as it unfolds me into its embrace, wrapping me as if in a blanket. This is your punishment. It says and I feel claws cradling the back of my head. You deserve this. The other creatures are still huddled around. I know this, although I can't see them. It's more like I can feel them, even as they sink further and further into the abyss. It would be easy to let this end here, to give up and just let it swallow me up. But there's static coming from the pocket of my smock. It isn't until I reach for the radio that I realize how far I've sunk. How far I'd have to climb until someone reached me. You're just going to give up. I can hear her disappointment. Despite the bad signal and the mud. Without a fight. Out of my resignation squeezes a sob. The kind that caves your chest in and clouds your vision with fat tears. I don't know what to do. I say to no one. I can't reach the button. Something. She answers anyway. Anything. Decide
0: your fate, Sarah. That's what you came here to do. You can't let others decide for you. Not even
1: your demons. I look up into the hollow eyes belonging to my blanket of doom and am racked by powerlessness. I, I can't. I cry. Tears hot down my cheeks. I can't. Yes. She insists. And hers is the only voice I hear. The only sound for miles. You can. I get the impression Victoria isn't wrong often. If I'm gonna go down, It better be swinging. I struggle against my bonds, and they squeeze tighter. The claws that so tenderly cradled my head, hooking over my shoulders. Yes, it would be easy. Perhaps even less painful to just let it take me down. But I've never known anything but the hard way. And I don't see any reason to change that now. Stop fighting! The rasps of the scrawny beasts and the drones of their apparent master coalesce into a demonic everywhere voice that drills into my aching head and rattles in my ribs what do you have to go back to who even cares that you're missing no matter where you go you will suffer you can't hurt anyone from here it hurts it feels real but the pain subsides with one truth a truth that locks my eyes with its and with conviction. I think Lucifer might disagree. If demons are capable of confusion, that's what masks its lack of a face, shown in the voids of its eyes, the paws of claws that sought to rend. There's no time to breathe a sigh of relief before the creature leaves me dangling above my pit of despair ahead of me lies an insurmountable climb, all that separates me from failure or flight. Fuck! Screaming the word is cathartic, but too much gets away from me, and vertigo sets in among the static tingling in my arms and legs. All I wanted was for my shot at a sexually confusing glittery goblin king, but I'll settle for a locked dragon. Maybe I'd have a better shot if I yell, FALCOR! Static from the radio, then the sound of someone on the other side. You have to climb. Oh, you have got to be kidding me! I don't even bother fumbling with the button now. I braved your little trial! Now you better send a helicopter or something, (laughs) because I'm done. Victoria sighs heavily, and it's not the frustration in it that I mark so much as the disappointment. (sighs) You're missing the
0: whole point of this little exercise.
1: Oh yeah? What's that? I'll tell you when you get up here. In the ensuing silence, I gather myself and plot my course, reaching for the next sledge. No, no, not that one. Well, that definitely wasn't Victoria, and it was much closer than through the radio. I catch the glimpse of something moving out of the corner of my eye. A face... As if this wasn't horror show enough, a face emerges from the mud and rock, staring at me with wet eyes, my own dart from side to side. Um, what? Not that one. It's unstable. Oh, thanks, I say and begin to reroute. Not unlike you. I stop, turning again to the face. It looks familiar now that I truly look at it, like a friend I used to have emphasis on used to. I shrug, grabbing for that ledge after all. Thanks, but that's not exactly news to me. And I continue upward, sure to give the face a mouthful of my foot on the way. I feel, dare I say it, victorious. At the same time, I'm full of dread. No victory goes without eventual defeat, no matter how small, but it gets easier stuffing my fists and feet and oh-so-many-naysaying mouths as I blunder my way to the top. You're getting tired, another says as I stop to take a breath. You'll never make it. Look how far you have to go. There's untold delight in its face, right up until it becomes yet another stepping stone. Nope, I make it my mantra. Not today. Even when hers becomes one in a chorus of voices... Not any day. All the same voice. Not anymore. My voice. My muscles are tired to the point lifting myself almost doesn't register, and I'm practically floating the last few feet. It doesn't last. That final pull to the top, sapping what remains of my strength. I lie atop the grassy plateau, panting, tingles of anxiety and joy flitting like fairies across my skin. "'up and down my legs and arms. "'The sun peeks through the low-hanging clouds "'with the purplish-pinkish rays of dawn or evening. "'Maybe, in this bizarre landscape, a little bit of both. "'Victoria's face greets mine from overhead. "'She's laughing, and so am I, "'even more so as the realization strikes me "'how much better this is than the volley of screams. "'Even in my upside-down perspective,' I can see the lift standing freely behind her, like her own extra-dimensional TARDIS. Time to go home. Victoria chimes in time with the apparatus behind her. And just when we were starting to have fun, I grunt, getting back to my feet. The door is open and she ushers me inside. Even now, it's awkward, as most non-solo elevator rides tend to be. You've done what you came to do. So much for small talk. Okay, I'm ready for the moral to my story. And i tell you, but it's not over yet. Oh? I feel the elevator slow, giving her time to make her point.
0: You're still writing it. Everyone would like to shed the past like an old coat. But history informs the future. Still, you don't have to give license to your worst critics, especially when it's you who puts the words in their mouths
1: but I'm still going to hear their voices, so to speak. Victoria nods. You're still going to
0: struggle, but you don't need anyone to rescue you. You'll be just fine on your
1: own. (laughs) You're right. Thank you. But what happens to you now? Victoria's ghost of a smile fades, and something secreted behind the veneer of perfectly polished Mary Janes and blonde pigtails is revealed. You're stuck here, aren't you? I find myself kneeling to her level, helping jerks like me who don't know what they have.
0: Could be worse. We could have gone to the basement.
1: The door dings open on my original elevator, where my cart still sits unchanged, although I couldn't feel more different.
0: Go for a ride. There are many stories here. Like this place, like many things here, some have become lost. But all lost things yearn to be found, and all stories long to be told. I've searched through my building, gathering up stories from every floor, from the basement to the ninth story, and every floor in between. Stories of choice, of the hopeless, the redeemable, and the lost. Stories that will unlock something inside of you, and carry you through fear to your future. Get your copy of the Lifts First anthology on Amazon in print and Kindle. Let's go for a read. Ha ha ha!